0: You're listening to the Back Home Network, presented by Homefield Apparel. Welcome back to the NIL Hotline. Galen Clavio, Olivia Clavio joining you. Took a couple of weeks off holiday, summer, just stuff in general, vacations happening. So sorry for the hiatus, but happy to be speaking with all you folks once again, as a lot's going on with name, image, and likeness, and... College sports in general and how they intersect with uh, both Olivia's area of intellectual property and just more broadly how Congress is or is not getting involved. Olivia, good to see you again. How are things going?
1: Good, good, good to see you too. Yes, had a nice vacation, went down to Florida. So, always love the beach.
0: Yes, absolutely. So, a lot's happened since you've been gone. Uh, we're seeing college athletics leaders, uh, whether it is Charlie Baker, the president of the NCAA or Nick Saban uh, or any one of a number of folks from across college athletics going to Congress to talk to Congress people about trying to get a national federal NIL law that would supersede state NIL laws that we're seeing passed and that we've talked about here on the podcast with the idea that, well, gosh, you know, we really need a level playing field here. And, you know, we, we really have to avoid this patchwork of things because, you know, it's a mess. And we've, we've heard a lot of things from these folks in these hearings that sound really scary, uh, you know, sound like they're going to end college sports as we know it. Uh, so there's a lot of different things we could dive into on this, Olivia. But I guess first and foremost, I wanted to bring back something that you had mentioned last month, which is this idea of – the whole concept of a federal law relating to rights of publicity and how that does not exist anywhere – and this was something that we actually – if you're on Twitter and you follow Darren Heitner, who has been one of the kind of the leaders, thought leaders out there regarding NIL, has a newsletter himself that he writes regularly that I recommend subscribing to. But you know, he made a point that I think is is really important. And we've talked about it on this show a bit already. Um, you know, it's it's really fascinating. Uh, and I'm just going to read what his, what his quote was here on Twitter. Why should Congress create a federal law to restrict college athletes' NIL rights? Because that's what any federal law would do when it has never passed legislation governing any other individual's publicity rights, uh, which is essentially what NIL is. Publicity rights have been left to the states to recognize either by statute or by common law. These states have determined it's a distinct and broadly recognized IP right. Every person, athlete or not, should have the right to control their commercial use of of his or her identity as well as the capacity to retain counsel in the negotiation of deals surrounding the same. Uh, That's all from, from Darren's tweet and I recommend checking it out. But this is something you had brought up before. This is just not something that Congress has seen fit to get involved in and yet this is exactly what the NCAA is asking for right now.
1: Exactly. Darren pretty much took the words. If I could have had a quote, that's what exactly what I would have said. Um, so kudos to you, Darren. But anybody that's practiced in this field for a while knows that your right of publicity, it's your personal right. You, Even if you're not famous, you have the right to control how your name, your image, your likeness is used in a commercial or even non-commercial setting. If somebody is trying to use you to make money, you should be able to control that. And the the thought that Congress wants to step in and potentially put a cap on the value of someone's name, image, and likeness is absolutely contrary to where we're at for everybody else. <laughs> everybody else in, in, in each state are going to be governed by those state laws. And I know there's a lot of competing thoughts on, you know, whether there should be limitations. And I understand they want this there to be a level playing field. But there is no level playing field when it comes to your value. Your value is your individual value. I personally think it should not be capped. And if they're going to go down this route for collegiate athletics, then I think it makes sense to just have a federal standard in place, period, for right of publicity, but I think that that is going to be an incredibly unpopular thing to do. Um, you know, there's a lot of talk about not wanting to prey on minors. So we've got this, you know, weird time frame where you've got it like a 17-year-old who's in high school or might be going into college Saying that they want to protect them. But let me tell you that there are a lot of child actors, and we've talked about this before on here numerous times. Child actors, esports, that's another big one where you don't actually go into college to play esports. You just have esport athletes. You know, they're brokering seven-figure deals, and no one's, you know, going to Congress asking them to put cap limits on esport players. So um, you know, I think right now this is a lot of posturing, a lot of control. They want control and they want to continue to control college athletes.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. And that's, it's ultimately something that keeps coming back to that. I mean, there was a quote from the SEC commissioner, Greg Sankey uh, at the SEC meetings that happened. I think it was either, I think it might've been two weeks ago now, but the quote was this, there's increasing interest and recognition of the need for congressional engagement to resolve these issues. And I'd like to note there's interest and recognition of the need among college administrators. This is not something that's being pushed by, by people outside of this necessarily. What's happening at the state level is exactly what we, meaning college administrators, warned about. Our states are making a mess of college athletics. Our states are adopting laws that are not helpful to conduct conference competition and national competition. Um, will Congress continue to provide the opportunity for a national solution? I wasn't aware they, were, they had done that to begin with. It's not necessarily what any of us would have preferred four or five years ago, but it's our current reality. I think that that quote is a really uh, – it's a very good insight into the mentalities here because what's, what's interesting about all of the state laws that we've talked about, whether it's this New York law that just passed this New York State Senate and is now going to the governor's desk – that, you know, Not only is it that states are passing laws that allow for and encourage uh, colleges and universities to engage in NIL-related items, but it's also shielding those schools from punishment by the NCAA for violating whatever rules the NCAA has come up with. Now, you could look at that and you could say to yourself, well, of course, you need some kind of top-down solution. But – What everybody seems to be missing and what is not being talked about by these college administrators as they go talk to Congress is that the top-down solution isn't something that needs to be coming from the federal government. It's something that needs to be coming from the member institutions that are involved in this. This is something we've talked about over and over again. This idea that name, image, and likeness was something that could have been handled by the NCAA membership itself. It's something where they could have passed their own institutional bylaws. Uh, They could have come to a solution as a group and said this is the rules that we're going to have. But there's two fundamental issues that are faced there. One is that if you followed college athletics long enough, these universities, because they're in competition with each other, refuse – … to put themselves in a position where they might be competitively disadvantaged with the people that they are supposedly in business cahoots with, which is the other schools, the other colleges and universities. And so there is almost no incentive for them to actually work together. The second thing that I think is important to remember is that these states are oftentimes passing these laws at the behest of boosters and administrators of these colleges and universities. It's this idea that, well if i'm in if i'm in florida for instance or if i'm in indiana or if i'm in new york i don't want my home school college or university to be at a competitive disadvantage because our laws regarding NIL are too stringent you know they're they're too difficult and and you know some other school in a different state suddenly has an advantage on the recruiting trail and you know that really makes the idea and this was brought up uh in a piece that I was reading today and on three, Mitt Winter had some some quotes in this about, you know, why would a state, why why would a legislator from a state that's passed lax NIL laws or laws that are helping to encourage the athletic departments in their state to participate in NIL and then turn around and vote for a federal statute that would limit those items? And the idea that now suddenly what? You're expecting colleges and universities, uh, you know, to to abide by more stringent laws that might put them at a disadvantage similar to what they were at before. It's a very convoluted thing. I get why the NCAA and some of its member schools are trying to put something in place, but the idea here is not, theoretically, shouldn't be to have the federal government coming in and doing something that, as you pointed out, and as Darren pointed out, they've never done anywhere else in this particular area. It's instead for the NCAA and its member institutions to acknowledge that they're in, a professional sports business as opposed to being you know, th- being in the situation that they claim that they're in, which is running amateur athletics for billions of dollars a year. And it requires those people to get along, bring athletes to the table and figure out something that's going to be financially amenable to all parties. And that just seems to be not on the docket for most of these folks going and talking to Congress right now.
1: Right. Well, I think they're all just trying to work it out. And I think that there's been some um, deals that have been struck and, you know, the administrators are kind of scrambling. I I think that's the word that I keep coming back to is scrambling. Everyone appears to be scrambling. The NCA is scrambling right now. There's been a flurry of of articles about their positioning. Um, The administrators are are scrambling. And even, you know, members of Congress are jumping on this, not because they think they believe that they really need a federal law, but they want to attach themselves to some position on this. Because if they cared, we would have had a federal law a very long time ago. And they haven't cared. Um, But, you know, college athletics are, are big business. And, You have to kind of look at this from, I think, all angles. It's not just the intellectual property angle and whether it's fair to the college athletes. But everybody knows that it's never necessarily been entirely fair. I mean, every college or university has their own um, bevy of resources or lack of resources. And, you know, we all kind of we all we all know that if you are a fan of college athletics, you're aware of the financial status of some schools over other schools. And nil deals, I hate to say it, are just going to have to be another one of those potentially, you know, unfair, um, but not really unfair, but you know, um, unbalanced. I guess, you know, realities.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, the idea. I mean, to some degree, I think nil, as we've talked about, and collectives related to nil, what they provide colleges and universities is a way to take an underground economy and bring it more above ground. And I think where a lot of these colleges and universities are are struggling is that there's, there's a fundamental tension, as we've talked about on the podcast, at the heart of the fact that the business that most of these universities have engaged in with college sports for decades now is suddenly above board. It's, it's now seen – for everybody, like there is a financial element involved in this that's pretty significant, and there's a there's a real dishonesty from my perspective at the heart of a lot of these arguments that are being made about, you know, well, we need to have somebody come in because states are out of control. Well, the states are out of control because the NCAA, their approach to trying to solve the NIL issue as it was coming to uh, to to light, prior to the Kavanaugh opinion that that came out that led ultimately to the floodgates opening on this a couple of summers ago, rather than try to come up with a workable solution where they said, you know what? We're making hundreds of millions of dollars collectively, billions of dollars if you really combine everything in college sports. It's clear that the attempts that we've made over the course of time to say that college athletes don't get the same legal protections and legal guarantees that every other college student and every other person gets simply because we require them to surrender those rights when they sign a scholarship agreement rather than just acknowledging you know what that system's done and over with and we need to come up with something that matches the current reality and the current climate the ncaa's approach was we're going to get the supreme court or congress to give us an antitrust exemption so that we can do whatever we want and, and continue on this model where we are raking in significant amounts of money and, and largely you know, handing it to coaches, handing it to athletic directors, handing it to other administrators, handing it to all of these areas of the athletic department that we don't actually need but that we fund because we can't come across as looking like we're making a profit. Rather than addressing that, they kept throwing Hail Marys trying to get themselves into a situation where they would get the Supreme Court to reaffirm what they thought the Supreme Court had written in in the early 1980s or try to get Congress to say, of course, NCAA schools, you get to do whatever you want. That hasn't happened. The fact that we're two years down the line and that's still the approach being taken. It's like, well, we're going to go spend a bunch of time this summer in front of Congress. We're going to do these these hearings. We're going to talk to people. We're going to try to get momentum you know you look at legal experts who have analyzed different things that congress has taken a look at the idea that this is actually going to work out and that you're going to get any kind of a consensus on what would happen with a federal NIL law that is specifically targeted at college athletes the idea that that would even happen seems really really thin and olivia i guess the thing that i think about on this even if such a law was passed, even if somehow you got Republicans and Democrats who can't agree you, – you can't even get Republicans to agree with each other. You know, in, in, I don't know if you guys have been following this, but in light of this debt deal that McCarthy cut with Biden, I mean there are Republicans holding up Republican legislation on the floor of Congress. Like that's how dysfunctional – Uh, Our legislative system is right now. Even if you got all those people together to say, yes, we're going to pass a federal NIL law that's only college athletes. How long does that law last before it's immediately challenged in court by athletes who are like, wait a minute, why are we subject to this particular set of circumstances? Like, don't you think that that would likely get uh, thrown out by probably the Supreme Court who's like, you know what, there is no actual legal distinction here? Where you, because you decide to play college sports, you suddenly have fewer rights than somebody who doesn't.
1: Yes, and I mean to not get too into the legal weeds on this, um, since this is not technically a legal, you know, podcast. But there's a lot of different rights that are actually woven into a right of publicity right, including the right of privacy, which I hate to break it to everyone was destroyed <laughs> um, last year when the Supreme Court you know, overturned Roe versus Wade. And um, this is not about abortion, but that entire opinion was about the right of privacy. And that is your right of publicity, right? It's the right of privacy. And in that instance, the Supreme Court was saying states, you should be allowed to make this decision, this privacy decision. That is no different. If they were to suddenly say that college athletes right of privacy and their right of publicity is subject to a federal law they would basically be going back on their opinion overturning Roe versus Wade That is my opinion yeah no,
0: I mean, it's it's a huge mess and and I just I'm constantly struck it's a I'm constantly struck I understand that people who work in college athletics, are looking for an easy solution where they don't have to come to the table with athletes because there's a they're, they are significantly concerned, among other things, about the pie of revenue that has been delivered through all of these television deals and all of this expansion of media rights. They are very concerned about suddenly that pie being cut into by athletes who are like, well, wait a minute. We deserve a share of that. We're not even talking about that yet. But sitting down at the table and hashing out an NIL deal that actually brings athletes to the table as opposed to being imposed by the NCAA or by the federal government is hard. But that's essentially what has to happen. And this is, uh, I think, ultimately a reality that a lot of people in college athletics have just kind of convinced themselves that they're not going to have to face or if they've If they are, and I actually think the latter here is more likely, they know they're going to have to face it, but the longer they can put that off before having to face it, the more chance that something is going to intervene that might change the paradigm altogether. I don't think we're going to see that anytime soon, but that is the biggest thing that I've taken away from looking at all these quotes and hearing all of these different people talking about these meetings with various members of Congress. It just feels like, again, completely delaying the inevitable that will happen with this NIL situation because ultimately colleges and universities that are participating in high-level sports just continue to refuse to acknowledge the business that they're actually in publicly. And that is likely not going to work out for them as we get further down the road.
1: I've also never seen an intellectual property right that has been confined to a certain class of people.
0: Yeah. And that's so, uh, again, again, and a lot of it a, it, a lot of it comes back to this fundamental thing, where there is a, a bit of voodoo that has been practiced by colleges and universities, where they have managed to convince the American public and many legislators that somehow college athletes do not warrant the same legal protections regarding right of publicity or the ability to make money that everybody else in the United States has that you know at that age that is to me probably the most fascinating thing about this and it's why we're still having the conversation in the first place because again if you picked any other class of people i don't think you'd be having the same argument but we've had a century of the american public being told that somehow college athletes don't deserve any of the rights that they are con- constitutionally granted and legally granted through what we've established across the board in the united states over the course of that same period of time anyway That'll wrap it up for this episode. We'll be back next week with more episodes as we've got plenty to talk about on this. We're going to dig into some items. I uh, wanted to talk about the, some of the discrepancies we're seeing between uh, NIL deals for, for female athletes and NIL deals for male athletes. There's been a lot of talk about that and whether there are Title IX implications. And and I think the answer on that might surprise some of you. Uh, We've got some other individual deals to dig into. So all of that coming up next week. We hope you all have a pleasant weekend. Olivia, great to see you and uh, great to have you back on the show.
1: Thanks.
0: All right. Thanks to all you folks for listening in. Uh, For Olivia, I'm Galen. This is the NIL Hotline. We'll catch you folks on the flip side. So everybody.